0: Hey guys, this is the Alliance Guys Podcast. I am your host, Jay cal and with me today is none other than David Marquez. David Marquez's history with the National Wrestling Alliance spans over, what, Dave, uh, 30 years? Uh, Give or take. (laughs) Um, And uh, we've tried to do this podcast a couple of times, but my own human error (laughs) has led to this not working out so well. So I really appreciate, Dave, uh, taking the time to join uh, join me today to do this podcast because of course there's so much uh, knowledge of the national wrestling alliance inside of that head of yours and uh you know i'm sure people have lots of questions that uh, don't normally get to be asked so today i'd like to ask you some questions all right go for it so first and foremost dave with covid 19 i just want to check you in the personal aspect of you how are you feeling are you doing okay your family okay
1: yeah everything's great um Outside of uh, working shows, uh, it's business as usual here Here at the house. Uh, for people who don't know, this is the headquarters for uh, United Wrestling Network. So there's a good chance behind me you're going to see some activity and traffic uh, in a thorough way. And um, so we're still editing uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, Championship Wrestling from Arizona, and working on all the projects that we're, have been in development, uh, wrestling and non.
0: So I. I'm sure that uh, that changes pretty much how you do everything. Uh, I know that a lot of the shows are kind of going into, or a lot of your shows are going into replays and uh, and reruns. Um, what, if anything, are you able to do in terms of adding additional content today, adding more to those existing shows, or is it just going to be a, a rerun just verbatim how it was initially? Well,
1: we're adding... Uh... New graphic elements to it there's some psa's running through the program if uh, people have been watching you'll see you know reminders to wash your hands and uh follow instructions and wear masks and all that uh and uh there's uh, some of the shows uh the syndicated well there, there's the, the mass syndication of championship wrestling from hollywood and there's about five markets that are specific that Every week they get their own original stuff. So Memphis, San Francisco, Amarillo, uh, places like that. So that's being updated every week. Um, but uh, our living room here has been turned into a TV studio, much like your place there. So yeah. uh, we, we don't have access to all of our equipment. So it's uh, very crude. But so is all of television when you watch the late night shows and uh, these uh, singing Uh, programs that you're (laughs) you're, these concerts that you see on broadcast television where people are just singing in their homes on a on a phone or some sort of uh, ipad or something so uh that's what we're doing and uh but it's pretty much business as usual
0: it's funny you bring that up because i just saw an advertisement for the disney sing-along tonight on abc along with the american idol how uh, the, the contestants are literally in their homes um and it, it it does kind of remind me of um, you know um, a lot of indie wrestling, and, and and the way I see it is like a a lot of the promos where these guys would cut these these interviews in front of a you know in front of their brick wall in the house or out in the backyard, and it just kind of reminds me of that uh, you know that guerrilla style of filmmaking, if you will, to to do TV these days. Mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting that. We try desperately to make
1: the program look as professional and high quality as possible, and then you know the networks go ahead and say, "Yeah, your your smart device is good enough." <laughs> so like, for years, I I fought journal managers at TV stations and bosses and whatnot who were like, "Oh, my kid can shoot that better on his phone." And I was like, well, "How the hell can you do that?" Well, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and the rest are saying it is uh, better.
0: It, it's just real crazy, and I, I understand like you know this, the way we do business for everything has changed right now. Um, it, it's affected my personal nine to five. I'm it's affecting your industry quite severely, and, and it really has impacted so many different people in different aspects of life. And you know one of the one of the nice things about the uh, wrestling is it's always been somewhat of an escapism. Um, you know, fans who, you know punch in punch out you know from work come home and turn on tv and watch wrestling and it's one of those things where wwe's still able to produce their content aew still producing theirs uh, I, I think i read recently that impact is also still producing content mm-hmm. do you feel like that might be unfair for guys like you or guys like uh well i'm gonna go ahead and say you're part of the nwa and in promotions like ring of honor or mlw who don't have that same kind of access well
1: it, the thing is, I think if we all wanted to go back into production right now, we could. Um, with uh, sanctions being lifted uh, and, and rules changing by the minute, um, like here we are on a Monday in, uh, in Southern California and our government it says the beaches will open up by Wednesday. So, you know, there, it's uh, whether it's good or bad, uh, it's going to happen. So if we wanted to, uh, and Ventura County is open already, and that's where our facilities are the Ocean View Pavilion so weeks ago we could have gone in back into production but uh, we're being a little more cautious in in what we do uh, Sinclair has already made it public that Ring of Honor uh, they're not going back into production until they have people to put in the crowd so uh, whenever that is um, Impact, they're shooting their stuff in Nashville um, they did last month as well um, and uh uh, um, I think uh, MLW is also down. They're not producing new television right now either. Right. Um, but I think if they wanted to, they could. Um, this late, <laughs> I say this late in the game, but it's. Uh, I, I think we are far, uh, far enough along to, to have made the decision whether or not we want to do it. And since we don't have a crowd, there's a way that, <clears throat> at least on our end, we're looking at how to produce these. So we don't have to have you know, 40, 50 people in the theater at any one time. We can stage these things out and 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 have guys that are just important to be in that match and then send them home and then bring the next guy in and shoot another match and shoot another match and shoot another match because
0: we, we have no one to entertain live. And... You've mentioned this to me offline in the past, but you have a really good working relationship with the people that own that building, the Ocean View Pavilion. Sure. You you guys could probably be doing those matches throughout the week, couldn't you?
1: We can be in there all day, all night if we want.
0: That's, that's, that's uh, we have a great relationship there. So is that something that at the very least is being discussed, or are you still kind of waiting to get a live audience back into the ocean view pavilion no the reason
1: i haven't rushed back is because uh, we don't necessarily have anyone screaming at us to produce new stuff and i'm not saying that people aren't paying attention because our ratings are fine and our advertising is fine and the stations that we're on they've not come to us and said well you know these shows aren't their reruns or whatever so we're, we're not going to run them anymore um it's uh it's just a a, a moral uh, thing where we're just taking a second taking a breather making sure that it is safe and to go back and do it. Um, I think WWE and AEW are doing a great job with what they're they're doing um, from safety measures from what I hear about from friends that are that work there and uh, everything that they're doing to ensure that uh, we can do too. Um, It's not too difficult. Uh, We have doctors that we can have there on staff and uh, the theater is already uh, sanitized every time someone comes in or out of that venue. Um, because during the day when it's not a theater and right now this is closed as well, it's an adult daycare facility for mentally challenged adults. So it's a state ran facility and they have their own, um, health issues or health uh, criteria that they have to live up to. So they're, they already ready to go.
0: So with that being said, uh, it's still, a, I guess we could assume it's still a while away for a return for championship wrestling from Hollywood and championship wrestling from Arizona.
1: Um, well, the way Arizona's looking, I think they're open up. I think we can do stuff in Arizona, um, mm. based on what their government. I saw a, a either a tweet or something on Instagram from the Nile Theater uh, talking about putting more uh, covered um uh, canopies in front of the theater.
0: I'm still here. Okay. Just um, tech issue.
1: Okay. In front of the theater. And so, because there's a coffee shop right next door to the Nile that's connected. So they're talking about the Nile coffee shop. So uh, they're up and operational, it looks like. Um, and if we wanted to, we can probably go in there and shoot without people
0: anytime. So I, I guess then that just begs the question when do you think you'll be doing that? I'm gonna give it another two or three weeks because we don't have to
1: promote anything, like we can just go. <laughs> we don't yeah. have to have people in there, so we we can do it tonight. <laughs> um, so uh, when the time's right, um, and and again, if if let's just say out of the blue, uh, we're hit with a really big sponsorship or. Uh, someone wants some sort of programming or a network or somebody comes to us and asks us to provide something, uh, then we would heavily consider that. Um, but again, there's no major uh, uh, need for something new because um, we have nowhere to build to, you know? Yeah. Whether it's a Coastline Clash, which is what we were going into, or the first anniversary birthday bash in Memphis, which we were, like, really sliding into that. Right. Um, and that was going to turn into its own local thing after a while. We're testing the waters to see if it could be a promotion much like Arizona, but a Memphis version, nice. where the Hollywood show would would take less of a, uh, a front and center, and we'd uh, concentrate more on the locals in Memphis. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, and that's the same uh, thing we're working on in Amarillo. So, uh, and and that's why we partnered in San Francisco with West Coast Wrestling Connection is for the point of putting on these local matches in intertwined with the title with the united uh championships and stuff so um when the time comes
0: well and i guess i mean that's got to be good enough for right now because we just don't know nobody knows nope. and there is no uh, there's no talk about a cure uh being readily available and no. so it's just one of these things where it's going to uh you know the the, it's not the market that's going to dictate when you get back into it it's really what the uh, government says you can do which is it's kind of a weird dichotomy right because when you went to promote that big event in china it was all about appeasing the local government and here it is in, in the united states because of this pandemic things have changed so so like strangely again we the, the world of professional wrestling kind of has to adhere to a more regulated uh, style of promoting not unlike what you had to deal with in China
1: yeah you know it's um, I'm happy with what the government's doing first and foremost uh, and when they say it's okay we'll be ready the the, the people I'm watching in entertainment is Disney So when Disneyland or Walt Disney World announces their parameters of reopening the parks in North America, that's that's going to be my cue of what we can do with people Um, in the theater. Luckily, uh, we can accommodate, you know, every other seat or six feet apart or whatever you want to call it. We can do that. You've been to the theater. It's large enough. We can we can put those those people in there comfortably. If we have to skip a row, we can skip a row. Um, we have to skip two rows. We could skip for two rows. Um, yeah. The theater is is awfully large. It's uh, the seating is actually set up for about 600 people in total. So uh, when we block for uh, the Hollywood show, it's only blocked for about 200, 180 to 200 people. So the rest of the the seats are covered on purpose so that we could have a focal point for the cameras and not people scattered all over the
0: place. Right. Well, now
1: that's going to change a little bit. Um, <clears throat> all those years of me yelling at people to. <laughs> Move around to fill seats is kind of uh, ironic now, but um, but yeah, when the time comes, we'll be ready.
0: So let's let's roll the gears back a little bit because um, you know championship wrestling from Hollywood has been on television for well over ten years now um, has been. Uh, doing swimmingly, as far as I can tell, um, you know, whether it be talent walking away from the show or behind the scenes, creative people walking away from the show, the machine still keeps running. I, I mean, just recently you guys announced that uh, Combine Dispiro is now part of the creative. He's the head of creative, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually was part of your creative team when you guys were running in arenas back in 2006, 2007, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. So, yeah,
1: Carbine's a part of it, and, um, you know, he was part of uh, NWA Midwest with Ed schubin and, um, you know, we tried back then to bring everybody together and work together, you know, so I plucked this guy from here and this guy from there and whatever, and we really did our best at doing it, so, but yeah, uh, over a decade, just like you said, <laughs> it's a long time. <laughs>
0: Well, and you say it's a long time, but I, I blink my eyes and I can think back to being in Yuma, Arizona, at the uh, the uh, Sunrise Stadium or Desert D- Desert Springs uh, Stadium. I forgot which the stadium was. Can't remember what it's called either. But that was out. Maybe it was the Devil's Sun Stadium. And that was in the middle. That was in like I think June, the middle of summer, 106 degrees outside at rings at, the, at eight o'clock when the when the bell started and. It's just uh, it's amazing for me as someone who's been a part of the ride with you as a fan, as a journalist, as a podcaster, as a photographer. You know, I've seen you go from doing uh, doing shows in uh, you know in a sh- strip mall next to a strip club, and to go from there to to you know where you were two years ago in China, having that huge arena filled with people. and and, and seeing those arena shows at the orleans arena in las vegas or the celebrity theater in phoenix um the 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 shows in hidalgo or houston or Kissimmee or canada or australia dave you've done you've done quite a goddamn lot and i don't think people understand how much you've actually brought to the table of professional wrestling let's talk about let's talk about where it started um I mean, I don't want to talk about your San Bernardino Indie Show, but I do want to talk about WLW, World Legion Wrestling. Um, Everyone uh, who's familiar with that promotion knows about the ties to Harley Race. And, of course, Gordon Soley was one of your partners when you first started. But how did you get into promoting wrestling in the Midwest? A SoCal kid moving out to the Midwest and promoting wrestling, how does that happen? Well,
1: I uh, out of high school... I never went to college. So out of high school, I uh, I basically lied <laughs> and said I knew <laughs> uh, how to make television. And a station there believed it and they hired me. And, uh, and I didn't know how to make television really, <laughs> the, the right way. So I was stuck in the master control for a little while and then I went on to directing a couple other things. Um, and then uh, when later with bob costas one off the air um somewhere in the mid 90s uh the station manager came to a group of us employees and said you know what what do you want to put in the place of that show we have that time back and it was it was all week long too so uh, they're trying to figure out what to put monday through friday in that time slot it's the same time slot of uh i don't know who hosts it now i don't know if it's carson daly still or uh Seth Myers or somebody who it's, it's the later program. Right. Um, and, uh, and I just blurted out, why don't we do a, a, a wrestling show? Something else I kind of didn't know how to do, but, um, uh, I had an idea of how to do it. And, uh, he thought that was a good idea. And so he gave me permission to do it. And then I just kind of hooker crook, uh, started putting things together And then, you know, I needed a license. I didn't have a license. The station wasn't going to get a license. I wasn't going to personally get a license to run in the state. And then I found out Carl Lauer, uh, who for many years was the vice president of Cauliflower Alley Club. um, He lived in Rolla, Missouri. He had a license. And so we got hooked up and started. And I remember him from California. He was the promoter of California Championship Wrestling on KDOC, the Olympic Auditorium, stuff like that. and uh, it, it, it just went and went and went. And when I went to the Cauliflower Alley that year, because uh, Carl pushed me to go, um, I went and um, uh, he introduced me to Gordon Soli. Mm. And uh, Gordon was on the board of the CAC at that time. And uh, I just, you know, we were talking. I told him what we were planning to do. And he basically asked me, he handed me, he was a terrific drunk. Uh, <laughs> he asked me uh, to draw on the back of his drink napkin that his drink was sitting on, how the studio would be configured or how the cameras would be placed. And uh, so I drew what I thought, like where the camera should go. And he looked at that and he goes, oh, that's good. I'll do it. And that's all it took. Wow. It looks like you know what you're doing. And I said, okay, I guess. And... Uh, <laughs> And then I went to Harley, and uh, uh, who was also at the CAC. And Harley um, uh, it was a little leery at first. And uh, he's still associated with WCW and managing Vader and whatnot. And um, I told him what I was doing. He didn't. Hey, Logan. Hey, it's Logan. Hey, what's <laughs> that? Um, Yeah, he didn't really believe in it. He said he'd make an appearance. And then uh, uh, Bill Ash uh, in Arkansas, Paris, Arkansas. He he and his family used to be the provider of the majority of the wrestling boots in the country. Mm. Um, most of the guys bought boots from him. So he uh, was the very first booker of the show. Um, and that came through Carl. And uh, I can't remember who else. Maybe because we were renting the ring from him. <laughs> so by default, <laughs> he becomes the booker. I don't remember. Fair enough. Um, But uh, that's where Tim Storm came from. Tim Storm was a part of his group. Yep, that's Nick Bonanno. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, So Tim was a part of his thing. And uh, we started. We were on the air for a little while. And then uh, NBC pulled the time back. And uh, I I came in one day and my desk, there were all these tapes of World Legion Wrestling. And um, we were on for a little while. And... uh, they they canceled the show, and I was because uh, the the time went back to the network, yeah. And uh, uh, I just sat there and I stared at, at it. I went and talked to my boss. I said, "So what? What what is this?" He goes, "Well, it's yours." But I hadn't paid for anything. The station paid for everything. Wow. And um, and I said, "Huh." I own a wrestling company, and uh, <laughs> uh, we still had tapes that were that that needed to air. And they weren't going to run those. And I said, can I, these are mine? And he said, yeah. And I, Okay. So I went to the Fox station and uh, channel 27 and made a deal with them. we started running the show there and we continued shooting uh, outside the studio in a line dancing club called Remington <laughs> and a beautiful club. It just opened gorgeous sure. lighting, beautiful place. Uh, we, I think we're the first act in there. And we started just going monthly, monthly, monthly. And, uh, and that's how it started. And then I, Harley and Gordon had me doing stuff with WCW and WWF when they came to town. Um, and then I was doing little bits with Corey Macklin and Memphis Wrestling, um, stuff like that, all because of knowing... Hard. Eventually, uh, actually, the first after the first show that we ever did, uh, Bill Ash was fired. I fired him on the spot. Uh, <laughs> we could not get along at all. Uh, I was producing and directing. Um, he wanted to do... Put the cameras in these goofy places and we just didn't get along and uh and then harley became the booker okay then on my way back to california uh working with wcw and doing a lot of freelance work when wcw was closing down we knew it was closing down in 99 um uh, we basically were told where do you want to go and I, said, I guess i'll come back to california and i sold out uh my percentages Harley, Gordon was uh, I don't think Gordon was dead yet, but he was uh, he was sick. Um, He had throat cancer. Right. And so his voice was gone and he was no longer on the air. And uh, yeah, that's that's what happened. That's that's how I ended up in Missouri and back in California.
0: Now, you said right around 99 is when you were heading back to SoCal. So when when were you out there? Because I, like I've I've researched it. I've tried to look up the world. stuff.
1: I got there in ninety three. Yeah, ninety three. So somewhere in the middle there. Ninety. It was. It's spotty too. Um, I know that the last one that I was involved with. World Legion Wrestling was probably... Summer, no. It was warm, so spring of 99.
0: And, and see, so, so as, you know... You, you've teased me in the past about uh, caring about such things, but it's like uh, all that history predates the internet's, you know, popularity oh, yeah. at least, so you, you can't find flyers for those shows, you can't find wins and losses, or who appeared when, so it's really difficult to try to track down that information, and even, like, uh, even if you went to, like, an internet archive and, and looked up the old uh, Harley Race website, like, he didn't even start talking about Legion Wrestling uh, until probably about 98 on his Ooh. website, and, that's and I don't about order. the
1: time—that's about the time when I knew that I was doing more work with other things at that time too. We were mm-hmm. making movies. We were—I uh, was just really the production side at that point. Yeah. Um, and Hardy's wife at the time, BJ and I did not get along at all. So it was a real easy decision to to say, <laughs> hey, "Go ahead." What I did part of my exit was I kept the tapes, so I own all the television because they didn't see any use for it, and I knew the internet was coming and all this other stuff they thought once it played it was done just like in the 60s 70s and 80s you were done with it uh, and mentality. i kept and i kept what's that the labelle mentality well not just the labelle everybody had right that. um I, I think crockett would be in the same boat if they weren't uh in business with uh, turner uh i think once they saw what you know what you can do with an archive and him buying old movies and cartoons and stuff that oh, you know, maybe we should keep a hold of these things um so, uh, uh, like the St. Louis tapes are all, all that stuff is off television. They're just either beta or beta max or VHS recordings wow. uh, that, um, boy, I feel like an asshole now because I don't remember his name. He just passed. Uh, Larry Metisic, uh he would just record the show because he was the commentator. He would just record the show and he kept a, an archive for himself uh, of his off air, uh, off the, the antenna and uh, that's why what exists of st louis wrestling is because of Larry.
0: wow that's crazy
1: yeah
0: and, and you know and you kind of think back in the 1960s there were, vcr's weren't really a popular device to have in the home and they were very expensive if you did a they home didn't one. exist when it, it was video like tape, the... i mean
1: videotape came out in the 50s
0: but it,
1: not for the house, not at all. That didn't happen until the seventies. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you have to understand uh, what what we called VTRs, video tape recorders. Um, uh, they were uh, or v, VTP videotape players uh, were bigger than this desk I'm at. Sure. It's literally this big and this big, and uh, and you would have to lace the tape by hand like film. Wow. So you had what's called quad tape, so two inch tape and you would lace it, whether it's this way or flatbed, and uh, that's how you would record television Um, and uh, here's a big nerd piece Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Ampex was the first uh, development of uh, videotape recording, and the man who invested tons of money into it and made him super rich more than he already was Mr. Christmas Bing Crosby
0: Oh, there you go That's very, uh that's a, that's an interesting note, Dave. Thank yeah. you for that. And his um, show
1: Hogan's Heroes and all those because I don't know if you know that he produced Hogan's Heroes. A
0: I did show. not know that. Yeah,
1: that would bit the, the old shows had a slate on the back that said before syndication it said a
0: Bing Crosby production. Wow, that's there you go. So fast forwarding from World of Legion Wrestling, of course, that's when you came out to SoCal. That's when you and I became uh, friends. We we first met each other, and I remember. I remember you were still taping stuff for Disney at the time. We were at the uh, World Series of all places. The Angels beat the the Giants. Your team, of course. I was wearing my Angels hat. And uh, you were out there videotaping. And I knew you only from Epic Pro Wrestling as Gucci glasses. And I I even yelled it at you. And you kind of looked at me like, who's this asshole? Who would know that? Yeah. But uh, it was that was kind of fun. Like, I, I remember that's the first and time who coined I coined
1: the frame Gucci glasses. Excalibur. Excalibur.
0: Yeah, AEW's Excalibur. <laughs> and it was such a, a a crazy time when you came into SoCal. That's really my introduction to indie wrestling is right about the same time you got out here. So you know, up until that point, all I ever knew was WCW or WWE. You know, NWA of course, but I didn't know of you know uh, UPW or EWF all these promotions you ended up working with at some point in some capacity, XPW. Um, there was revolution pro out here. There was so many of these little indie promotions, but then you decided to bring a different aspect to Southern California with television. You started with UPW. Um, tell us a little bit about your experiences with working with Rick Bassman and, and that label of being a WWE developmental promotion.
1: Uh, well, when I got out here in 99, um, Terry Taylor actually is the one who sent me to bassman uh, with, uh, and Bruce Pritchard, they sent me there and uh, they were a WWF developmental area. Um, They were never promoted as one, but they, but they truly were Um, working with Rick at that time. uh, I never had a problem with Rick because I wasn't a promoter and I wasn't a talent. And uh, I you know, I, I I just showed up and I had gear and uh, we had a budget to rent stuff. And uh, so if we needed lights, if we needed cameras, we needed whatever. It depended on the scale of the project or what it was actually for, how much money I got to spend. Uh, we officed out of uh, uh, the Galaxy Theater. I don't yes. know what they, it has a different name now. Um, the Observatory. The Observatory. Um, so we officed out of the Galaxy Theater. Uh, the in Santa Ana, and um, Rick had the second floor. The whole second floor was UPW, wow. yeah. and and the, the I was not given a desk. I was given a slab of table, a piece of table, and it was me, <laughs> uh, webmaster Samoa Joe, <laughs> um, a tech Joe Schmo, and behind me talent relations, the big swag, and. Um, uh, I think Looney Lane may have been doing something in the office at that time. Uh, creative was um, uh, that it's it it jumped around, but uh, Kevin Quinn, uh, Chris Daniels, um, Rick, uh, me, uh, who else? There's somebody else that was in there. Oh, and after a minute, you know, like uh, Nova. Uh, Mike Bucci went on to be an executive with the WWF, uh, which helped our relationship um, even more. And so we would have to produce stuff for the WWF weekly. So uh, I did the all the packages that got virtually everybody signed because Rick really did get a lot of people jobs. Yeah. People don't know much about him, but he and I have kind of a similar background. Uh, He's from Southern California. He's the guy who was the head of entertainment. Again, I don't think a lot of people know this. He was the senior vice president of entertainment for uh, Pleasure Island at Walt Disney World. So he was booking bands, and he was in charge of all the clubs, um, all the atmosphere talent, and the guy who took, uh, who brought Eric Bischoff and WCW to Walt Disney World. Like, a lot of people don't know that, but that was Rick. Um, And, uh, well, he doesn't really talk about it either, uh, but he has great stories, and we have... uh, uh, similar stories with my relationship with the Walt Disney Company. But um uh so I was uh constantly making videos and so when Cena came in, we followed Cena from the moment he walked in to his first promo that I directed um to uh uh working out to haircuts to sleeping in his his VW bug to all this stuff and it and it just rotated, rotated, rotated. So if it was Bad Boy Basil, you know, that's who we were shooting. If it was the Russian Nightmare Staz, that's who we were shooting. <laughs> if it was uh, Hank Hill, that's who we were shooting. I remember I did this thing with Hank Hill where uh, we were going to do uh, 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 dental hygiene with <laughs> with Hank Hill. So if anybody doesn't know who Hank Hill is, think of schlack. Much bigger, but the same amount of teeth.
0: <laughs> so, so were you... A part of the process that did those documentaries that ended up on, gosh, was it A&E? Oh, uh, those... Discovery. Discovery. Okay.
1: Yeah. No, uh, the guy's name was Tom beers and, uh, the company was called original productions. And I think about five or eight years ago, he sold his entire production company after monster garage. That's why the big swag was on monster garage. It's, it was because of Tom beers. Wow. And, uh, Tom sold his company to ABC Disney, uh, wow. for an awful lot of money. <laughs> and, uh, But, no, they produced that stuff. And um, I produced the – we did a lot of sizzles and a lot of other things to try to get into reality and some other stuff. Uh, But a lot of that didn't materialize. But the Ultimate Pro Wrestling Home Training uh, VHSs, from
0: Mm -hmm. what I
1: learn now, is basically how every younger, modern wrestler – got into wrestling because they bought those tapes. <laughs> um uh, I hear this all the time. I'm just sitting in the back of a locker room and then just like, oh yeah, yeah. Well yeah, I got those UPW tapes and then I just learned. Because <laughs> I produced those and I shot wow. them. That's so, crazy. Wow. That's <laughs>
0: great <laughs> So you go from doing the UPW shows and then you're doing Hey. Go ahead you're doing the upw shows and then you, now fast forward you're also working with xpw right yeah was XPW so how first? the
1: xpw thing started was so i was doing upw and then two or three years in something happened and i don't know i, I don't know exactly what happened but something happened <clears throat> where i wasn't being uh booked anymore to do video and there was another company uh uh, they had a fish as a logo Sonic oh, yeah. Fish yeah.
0: Yes, 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 yes And there,
1: there were three, two guys and a girl Um, And it was just Dog shit production, it was horrible <laughs> um, oh, But I don't think Rick paid them I think they volunteered doing it <clears throat> And I had back then uh, I was opening up Relationships with KDOC To put a UPW show on Which they eventually produced <clears throat> And I just kind of split away myself and I started working with uh, Kevin Kleinrock and I, I gave Kevin a call and we met up um, and uh, it's it's so it's so stereotypical of, of a first meeting but I go into the XPw office which is a porn studio and I didn't know that <laughs> um, and it's everything that you could imagine a real triple x studio to be <laughs> uh, and here i come with my you know disneyland name tag on after work and uh, uh, and i meet kevin uh sweetest guy right off the bat but when i met him i went into his office and he kind of tried to play big shot which i thought we still joke about it so his feet were up on the desk like this and he was looking at me through his shoes eating he'll back this up he was eating matzah Huh. yeah like a, it's a big cracker yeah he's a, like a like a mouse just <laughs> <laughs> and i'm trying to have this conversation with him and they were riding so high that there is a i guess there was just an an attitude there that you know just didn't matter whatever
0: yeah and sure. there was
1: money and there was was whatever then i met rob black he laughed at me uh he continued to laugh at me the entire time that i worked with him uh i think to this day he doesn't know who i am um <laughs> that's the truth uh yeah. uh even though i did all those olympic auditorium shows and i did a couple of the tvs the thing at xpw was you couldn't get paid for wrestling unless you uh were editing porn so you had to edit porn on top of the wrestling in order to get a check
0: all right yep so i, I imagine you were editing some adult oh
1: concert. yeah we all had to everybody <laughs> Webb was stuck in a back room. It was so dark and it so scary, and it stunk like cigarettes and porn. And uh, uh, he would come out just covered in like soot, like he was a damn chimney sweep. He was in there all day, all night, because um, he was trying to get both. He was the he was the editor of all the XPW stuff. So he and he was the top porn editor there. So they had a he had to do everything. I shared an office with office with with sylvia uh, she was like a receptionist uh kind of production coordinator i guess uh and then uh on the other side you had ryan Katz, mr wwe yeah, and yeah. uh he was running his own thing over there and uh yeah it was a pretty interesting outfit uh, uh the xpw world and i did not get along um sure. supreme who just passed uh, we didn't have the best interactions uh, because I was a little too square for the, for that environment, uh, I tried. They wanted me to get them on mainstream television, and I was like, "I can't. Do this I can't. Let's do this and this and this, and then you can do that." You know, baby steps. And Rob just wanted to go balls out. Uh, ECW did it. Why can't we? Right. I was like, "Well, they were ex- they were not extreme the whole time. They were Eastern first, and there's they." it's not they paved the way there's a reason they're not on tv anymore
0: right right so and then and then shortly after that you how did you and gary yap meet up that was kind of a gary wasn't really connected to the world of professional wrestling but somehow he's promoting wrestling events and uh notoriously attempted to promote the super dragon versus ultimo dragon versus uh, american dragon daniel Bryan brian Danielson. um Of course, that match never materialized, but you were a part of that as as also their TV tapings that happened at the Glendale Studios, a place where you would bring the NWA and and tape your shows at. Uh, How did you meet Gary, and how did that uh, fall into fruition?
1: Uh, Well, it was during the XPW days, for sure. Um, I'm trying to remember if the Messiah was a part of that somehow. I think he was. Um, But... We, I, I, for people who don't know my, what I did at Disney, I had several rules. Um, when I first came back to California, in 99, I just needed a job. The UPW job wasn't a full-time gig. Right. Um, and, uh, so I needed a job. And so I ended up at Disneyland and guest relations. And, uh, then that led me to broadcast services and guest communications and shooting video. That's why you saw me shooting the world series. Um, <laughs> because I was jumping around in different departments. Um, so I was still working for Disney. And uh, I don't know if it was Friendster or MySpace or whatever <laughs> the incarnation of uh, social, social media TV back then yes, was. Sure, um, But Excalibur um, uh, got a hold of me. And uh, this was pre-Pro Wrestling Gorilla, I think.
0: Yeah, it definitely was. Um, and...
1: Uh, Excalibur, I almost said his real name. Excalibur. Um, I won't say Mark. Uh, 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 Excalibur uh, got a hold of me because he was doing the artwork for the show. Okay. Gary. He knew Gary because Gary was a director at Film Roman, the animation studio. Yes. And he was working on The Simpsons and King of the Hill and other things, commercials and stuff. And uh, I, Mark thought that Gary and I, I said it. Uh, uh, gary and i could <laughs> that's your fault uh, that that gary and i uh would be good together um and and disco backed it up disco machine so i went ahead and uh, uh, met gary after a shift at disneyland at the uh, blue bayou uh, we had dinner together and um uh, he met me there he had an annual pass he pitched the whole idea of epic pro wrestling to me and what he wanted to do and then i uh uh, and it, it's interesting too because either Excalibur had influence on Gary or vice versa. I just remember Gary constantly saying, "You know, I want to shop gorilla style. I really want this to be gorilla style wrestling." <laughs> um, and uh, uh, and I didn't get it at first. I was like, I was, you know, I'm a little too corporate. It was just like gorilla wrestling. Who, who's ever heard of that? Um, <laughs> uh, epic. I understand epic. Epic. Yeah. Is, There's something to that. That's the name of a show, but Gorilla, like, I don't know. Um, And uh, uh, so we met up, uh, we go home, uh, told him what we need. um, And then we did a show together. I didn't shoot it. I don't think, I think Paul T uh, was doing the production and stuff at that point. Uh, But uh, we did a show at uh, the El Rey. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I was a part of the behind the scenes uh, of it. And that's what led Gary to believe that I knew what I was doing with television. So then I was the TV director and Gary and I put these shows together. And I think Excalibur and Gary and boy, who was the other guy a creative on that? It wasn't Danny. Um... Somebody else was in in on that. And uh, I wish I could remember who was so long ago. Uh, And I was the TV guy. And then out of the blue, uh, Gary comes to me and says, uh, much like Billy Corgan did later, hey, I want you to be the uh, announcer. And uh, then he put me and Larry Rivera together. um, And and Excalibur. So the three of us were going to be a team um, for the epic show. Uh, I remember those first tapes... At the Glendale Studios, we we never got them cut for some reason. None of that ever aired, I don't think. Um, yeah,
0: I don't remember airing that, um, and, and he had a uh, the show was airing on LATV. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember the call letters, but I remember There's watching KJLA. Sh- yeah, KJLA. Okay. I don't remember that was like a bilingual station as well. That yeah. it was Mexican and and English, and I they they is. never aired. Huh. It still is. Oh, okay. I, you know, honestly, I haven't kept up, but I do know. The Hollywood show
1: and even Spanish runs on there
0: now. Oh. That's great. Okay, small world. Um, but but yeah, those shows never made it to that uh, to that time slot. We never, of course, the 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 Messiah incident where you know Billy was attacked, and, and that really changed a lot of things that were going on at that time. Um, those shows never actually made it to air, and of course, that triple threat match was book never happened and the, the huge fallout the uh, gary kind of went away for a while before coming back later how how is your relationship with gary do you guys uh still talk are you on good terms
1: uh yeah i guess for the most part we're we, we're on great terms i haven't talked to gary probably in a year or year and a half uh he would he would watch the show in um the hollywood program and and give me uh critiques of what he thought what he didn't think you know he's a big joey ryan fan yeah. um uh, he was always, you know, uh, very critical of what I did with Joe. He thought it was too vanilla. Um, <laughs> uh, a lot of what I think you see Joey evolve into has a lot of Gary influences um, today. Um, uh, and then you know, like uh, people like uh, Marcus Riott uh, yeah. was a big Gary uh, creation, um, and uh, it was um, SoCal Tom um, uh, Walters, yeah.
0: <laughs> Boy, <laughs> that's <a>, that somebody. <laughs> uh, I knew you, you're laughing at that. Nobody else watching this right now even knows who that person is. So that's <laughs> kind of funny, but uh,
1: but but yeah. So you know, yeah, we're on we're on good terms. I, I want to say, uh, I think he lives in Arizona now. Um, uh, married, happy, kids, all that stuff. He lived with me for a little while uh, after the epic stuff. He he quit his job or lost his job in animation and whatnot so uh, him and his daughter stayed with me for a bit uh, but uh but yeah I think epic was ahead of its time yeah in uh, it really was and and what become what is pro wrestling today uh, Gary is virtually a godfather of that wow uh, I don't think people would think that I would say that but it's true um, an awful lot of what you see in wrestling today is not pro wrestling gorilla it is uh, epic Pro Wrestling
0: And the uh, the interesting thing about that um, Gary kind of returned to Pro Wrestling a couple of years ago With EWF and I always thought The whole Man in Black gimmick, I don't know if you followed it But I always thought that was, was Tailor made for what you guys are doing in Hollywood But well, we
1: talked to him about it And um, he talked to me a lot about it And it was, it, there were a lot of Problems with the Man in Black uh, Because several People played him, much right. like Suicide right. So uh, it was just uh, scheduling and ideas and Gary. Uh, Gary could be <laughs> difficult. Oh, uh, for sure. And uh, uh, he would get into these creative jags where the only person in the room was Gary. Sure, sure. So, so it was very difficult at times. But, uh, but, but I learned how to work with him. We did a lot together. Um, I stopped Adam Pierce from killing him one day in a cul-de-sac. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it wasn't a good scene. Um,
1: but yeah, then all that, you know, it led to the Inoki dojo
0: and it, it, you know, and, and I, geez, Dave, we could probably sit here and talk all day and I would, I would totally enjoy that. But of course, I don't know if all our viewers would, and I'm sure you've got other things to do, but let's, let's fast forward into, um, the Inoki dojo. Let's, let's sit here and, and first the Inoki dojo, then later the Santa Monica dojo, uh, that was obviously Antonio noki who um, he he wanted to put a, a group of fighters slash pro wrestlers. Uh, essentially, he wanted to create talent that could work anywhere, right? Yeah. And, and you were kind of responsible for bringing that talent and getting them booked not only here locally, but also getting them matches in, in Mexico with uh, CMLL, as well as uh, getting them ready for their matches in in japan with new japan pro wrestling tell us a little bit about the uh um, anoki dojo days
1: well that so how i even got in there that was because of bassman um so uh justin mccauley was the head coach at the time ufc justin mccauley and uh, he and rick go back to upw and myself uh sean mccauley's his brother and uh, sean was there too i think but not as heavy as justin and um they were only open for a little while uh, and they had uh, a handful of guys. Um, and Rick went in there to pitch a UPW versus New Japan show at like the Forum or something. And, uh, of course, he wanted the Japanese to pay for everything. And, and at,
0: uh, at the time, he had a lot of big guys on his roster. I mean, Nathan Jones, John Heidenreich. Yeah, but uh,
1: UPW really was dead at that point. Oh, okay. He
0: was promoting... <clears throat> He was
1: promoting a thing called Valor MMA. I
0: That's think. right. That's uh, right. Uh,
1: which is another headache. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I produced a lot of that too. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I just, I, I remember going went into this meeting and uh, Mr. Noki was there. Simon was in the meeting. Uh, uh, Paul T could have been in that meeting too now that I think about it. Um Uh, Then there was another guy named Roger, who was an artist who did costumes and masks and stuff. Uh, He was from Japan. Um, And then Justin was in the meeting and Rick made his pitch. And I was there to back him up from a promotions, uh, Harley race, you know, Disney, whatever guy. And... um, uh, They didn't like Rick's idea, but I guess they liked what I had to say because within (laughs) a couple hours of us leaving, Simon and Oki called me and offered me a job, (laughs) Uh, a real full-time job, like leave Disney and come work here with us full-time. And he offered me, it was called the uh, Director of uh, uh, Business Development was the original title. And I had nothing to do with training at that time or talent or anything. What they wanted me to do was open doors, and get them on television and create relationships in North America, just like they had a WCW deal. How can we work with the WWE? How can we work with uh, uh, Impact? How can we work with you know all these people? Uh, I'm not sure if Impact was around at that time. They could have been, um, but anyhow, Mexico, it just started. Canada, all that stuff. Um, and so I took the job, and instead of driving to Anaheim from uh, the Valley every day, I drove to Sherman Oak or to Santa Monica which took just as long. (laughs) Um, And while I was there, I started noticing the dojo system uh, and getting used to the young boy way of doing things, which was very foreign to me, and I didn't agree with it. And I don't agree to it to this day. Um, So uh, uh, I knew I couldn't sell, uh, even for who he was then, uh, Brian Danielson, the, the Pet bulls, uh, uh t- a baby TJ Perkins, um, Bobby Quantz. Bobby Quantz. Um, uh, uh, that, I think that was in Samoa, Samoa Joe. That's, that was the dojo. Um, luckily we all knew each other, uh, but I knew I couldn't sell them to WWF. Like I couldn't do that. Um, so to open the door at the WWF to actually get, get myself some cred, uh, They wanted to do a either Chris Benoit or Eddie Guerrero DVD. And there's a bunch of Super Junior footage on that that DVD. And I negotiated the deal. The guy's name was Tom Baraka, who was the the vice president of, I think at the time it was called the WWF archives or uh, libraries or something. And uh, so we did that deal and we got the money for it and so I delivered what I said I would deliver and then Justin McCauley Justin quit and uh, they came to me and said well we need you to run the dojo the whole thing I said alright at that time I kind of tried to convince Simon, Mr. Noki wouldn't go for it but I tried convincing Simon to just open the door and let anybody in and uh we eventually did that, but in the beginning, not at all. You had to be invited. Um, I remember David Richards showed up, and they hated him. <laughs> um,
0: uh, Hiro-
1: Hiroko Inoki, who was Simon Inoki's wife uh, and Mr. Inoki's daughter, um, she kicked him out. Uh, we invited CM Punk; they kicked him out. Uh, it was really bad. Those, it, it just the, the American way of doing it and the Japanese way of doing it. It just wasn't working. And so when TNA started becoming more of a thing and they were the NWA TNA, I went ahead and was like, huh, I knew that Zero One was using Mr. Inoki's NWA membership in Japan. Right. And so being the boss of North America, (laughs) they weren't going to the meetings. I knew that I can sell the NWA and not New Japan. So that's what I did. So I became the proxy uh, for uh, Japan. I started attending the meetings, and then uh, NJPW once again was recognized as the member of the NWA. And um, as I saw how that was operating, by the second meeting, the second year's meeting of the NWA, i i was I, I needed to do more I already put together the relationship with t n a and we were trading people and that was working and and then I created the open door where Carl Anderson and Ferbal and the the floodgates kind of opened and I just brought everybody Australia showed up all the entire fucking country like, <laughs> everybody started coming in right. and um Canada and I just opened all this stuff up and uh but as I was learning how the NWA ran, it's votes, much like Congress. <laughs> sure. So uh, I said, I, we were at the meeting and I got there and I remember Bob Trovich joking with me and he said something to the degree of, uh, uh, so you have Japan, you know you could, uh, you could petition and get California too so because that, that's where you're running. And that's when I kind of went, oh really? Huh, I can be in the NWA and TNA's going and then I got New Japan and then I'll have two votes if I was the member and not New Japan. So David Marquez paid the fee on the spot and wrote the check to become the member in California when it became available.
0: And the interesting thing about that is and and I'm not sure how familiar you were with the NWA scene in California prior to prior to you joining, but There was a promotion that literally ran at car dealerships. Yeah. uh, Consumer, consumer
1: consumer cars. Yeah. I forgot the guy's name. It was here in, in Hollywood.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, he he actually, he was more out in my way. Now he was out in, uh, like Beaumont and banning and, and, uh, did shows like in, uh, oh gosh, uh, just crazy all the way out here in in the practical desert and, uh, practically Mexico, practically Arizona type places. And uh, it was using talent from Revolution Pro. I mean, not bad not bad guys to use by any stretch of the imagination. And, and and from the people I know that worked on those shows, they all got paid handsomely to do these shows. But ultimately, it was uh, not uh, not what you would consider NWA caliber pro wrestling. Well, maybe um, for
1: the time it was, because at that time, the NWA was nothing to talk about. That's, um, to that's be for sure. Um, and then the other promoter in California was Zach Reeb. Yeah, of PCW it, He ended up working for you, didn't he? Exactly. He, he, he did <laughs> um, It was somewhere around the way He sure did uh, It wasn't a bad interaction But he was the guy who was the member before me He lost it and I picked it up um, So, so yeah So uh, I knew that I can get have two votes And that's when I became the member And uh, Then I started seeing the writing on the wall with impact tna it's not fair to say impact tna and um and i saw how the how the company operated and how backwards it was and it 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 really was red state blue state um people would congregate and collect votes we would have forged proxies we would have uh oh yeah uh uh you know, faxes coming in at the last minute with these signatures that don't match and we can't verify anything.
0: Um, wow. That's the truth. Um, and, uh, yeah. So there was Re- a lot
1: of stuff going on.
0: Recently on, on on the Alliance message board, which is actually still a thing, believe it or not, um, and Fred still posts there quite regularly, uh, somebody, somebody uh, made a comment about uh, Bill Barron's uh, losing the presidency, and Ernie Todd getting elected. And I know that was right around your, your, the time you were a part of the NWA. Do you remember that time frame and, and how that came about?
1: Well, it was a vote, for sure. And it was in Winnipeg. And I'm sure they promised Ernie the world. Um, Fred leading that charge. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it... it Ernie was a patsy. It's the easiest way to put it. Uh, uh, Ernie had money. A lot of people don't know that. He did have money. And he did run a, uh, a decent loop on um, native reservations and whatnot. Uh, he would tell all of us that he was aboriginal. And he would always use... Uh, he would always say, and I guess, which is goodbye or something. When he would hang up the phone or his email were always um, <laughs> which is some aboriginal word I guess um, uh, and then I was an asshole later at a meeting when he was voted out and Bob was put in and I went mcgwitch oh, um, sure. <laughs> um, but uh, I was put up to do that by Schumann um, uh, uh, yeah there's a lot of fun stuff that we did then but uh, uh, but yeah it was uh, we used to call them midnight meetings and uh, Fred would be usually the leader with uh, Rick O'Brien. Um, they would pull people together and figure out how to um, make things go their way, which is why we ended up making Trovich the boss. Because between all of us, it was never going to happen. We couldn't we couldn't buy paper clips unless you know 18, 20 people said we could.
0: Now I did want to get to this because. Uh... On one of the lost interviews we did, and uh, gosh, I wish I had that footage because it was great. We were talking about the attempts at various uh, organizations to purchase the NWA. Um, now, you famously said that you were working with Anoki to actually buy the NWA. Can you tell us that story about uh, New Japan trying to make that, that bid on the National yeah. Wrestling Alliance?
1: Yeah, that was actually... Driven by me, so knowing the relationship that was going on with uh, TNA at the time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, the Japanese they love the NWA, you know, much like people here in, in, the, in the in the current Renaissance and romance with the NWA. It's always going to be there, no matter who you are, what country you live in. It's always going to be there. Uh, I make the joke constantly um, that the N- much like Donald Trump, the NWA could do no bad. Those three <laughs> letters. Doesn't matter what happens It's it's okay um, And uh, I think the 90s Proves that <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I, I I saw how messed up everything was But I knew who the good guys were too And the people that I knew Who I can work with in the country Including TNA So Terry Taylor's there And uh, Jerry Jarrett's still around And uh, was right before Dixie Carter And um, we made a bid. Uh, we brought this woman in. Uh, Jane Flood is her name. Uh, we brought her in. She was a, uh, a business strategist. Um, I don't know how we found her, but we found her. Uh, and then she started bringing all these stock analyst people and all this high flute and stuff. Um, but th- th- the weird thing was she managed uh, the great colleague. Which is weird. Yeah. And he showed up. That's how he ended up going to New Japan was because of her. Um, And uh, anyhow, we we pulled the money together. New Japan put its money together. Uh, We had some investments behind us. And I want to say we made an offer of $800,000 to under a million dollars to buy the whole thing. Wow. And then it went to a vote. And the organization voted it down Wow Uh, And I'm I'm happy it did To be very honest with you Yeah Uh, I I don't know what would have happened And I don't think that I would have had to I would have had a say If uh, the Japanese were to have been successful Even though I was the guy leading the charge
0: So you think Um, you would have gotten squeezed out of it? Oh I know I would have 100% I would have
1: I'd say something derogatory, but I'm not going to.
0: Um,
1: so, <laughs> best, uh, best you don't, Dave. Yeah, yeah but it, it, it wouldn't have been a good scene. There was already bad feelings starting during that time, and and that's when I started running the NWA shows and the arena shows, and TNA was being difficult with the NWA. Uh, everyone within the NWA was like, well, we're how much money do I get versus the time I put in? Sure. Uh, my stock, which... There was stock But it wasn't stock Um You know Jim Miller was fighting Every day Over Dividends And Like Stuff that didn't even exist Um Profit sharing And All all this (laughs) stuff In a real company Yes But this is This This is wrestling wrestling. Yeah And we were individual companies That Owned a piece of some Of an eye Of a belt Just to be honest We have a logo and a belt Um so and we didn't even control it at that time. Another company did. Right. So it, it was all messed up.
0: And then shortly after, shortly after Ernie Todd was let go from the NWA, there was the promoter, and I I I failed to look up his name, but was he was the gu-
1: monster truck guy.
0: Yeah, the guy out of Ohio, NWA yeah. Ohio, who ended up changing his name to, like, WWWA or something like that.
1: Yeah. He,
0: made the, he made the bid, and he made it public. It wasn't made...
1: real, though. He never made it to us. Oh. I don't remember okay. him ever presenting a money option to us. And he was kind of like a Hermie Sadler, where he got into business with TNA— Because I remember, I don't know if it was the Naturals. Someone came to the ring in that truck. (laughs) He had a truck that was all NWA decked out, and it wasn't like localized. It was a national, like he bought the company, and this is the truck or whatever. Yeah. But I remember somebody came to the ring on on uh, TNA, and I'm sure Jerry Jarrett thought that he had a money guy right there that he was going to just take. Um, But um, but yeah, that guy was never real. Then there was another company. I don't know if they are out of the Carolinas, but they they, I believe, inquired um was Ward family promotions.
0: Hmm.
1: I think was what they were called. And then there was another guy in Charlotte, NWA Charlotte, uh, this big guy, I can't remember his name, Costello. Yeah, JD Costello. Name? And he was gonna be this big savior
0: um of something. Um you know, the interesting thing about that is around that time. That was when Hollywood was really getting hot. I mean, yeah. obviously the, the feud with and Sinclair
1: Broadcasting.
0: Yeah, I wanted to get to that. I was going to yeah. get to that day. No, but that's
1: all in the same period.
0: Before so I forget. <laughs> J- See, I never knew that JD Costello made an offer. I know that they were doing the NWA in Charlotte, and it was a really cool concept. And in some ways, there was a lot of parallels between what you were doing in Hollywood. And and what they were doing in Charlotte, and I mean the production was pretty good. Yep. I wouldn't say as as good, but pretty. Well, we were good.
1: consulting with him.
0: You were out. You were at at least one of the shows. I remember yeah. that. And and yeah. they they were they were booking the champions. They were trying to make a big deal out of the world champion. All the things you'd want an NWA promotion to do. And then all of a sudden. Uh, there was a phone call and the fire marshal was called and the show was blocked and and then they never ran again i I I think that was personally i think that was an inside job oh for sure it was yeah i it might have been jd costello that did it Uh, yeah that's what i'm saying it's an inside job i i don't know that for certain i'm not making that allegation i'm just i am
1: okay fair enough we're like 15 years removed fuck it (laughs)
0: <laughs> well in in uh friend one of my friends tim dixon was actually involved with the production and in commentary he owns those tapes and i i know that uh those videos you know they're more sentimental than anything else but i mean he had championship matches and, and all that oh, good sure. stuff and it was always I always felt like that was such a missed opportunity that if those guys just figured out how to play ball i mean they could have essentially been the hollywood on the east coast and in charlotte of all places yeah,
1: you know, I mean, and I heard this from Vince McMahon himself. It was half-joking. You know, he's like, oh, you're still in the NWA? And I was like, yeah, you're at the Staples Center. And, and it's not like you just casually talk to Vince McMahon. I had Sure. A and we were just talking, and I had spoke to him many times in the past. He knows my name. And, you know, we're not buddies by any stretch. Sure. But, but you know, he made a joke, and he's like, you know, you guys can't order a cup of coffee together. <laughs> That's brilliant. And I think he's going back to his days of being a member of the NWA and knowing how difficult uh, it is being a part of a cooperative like that and why he ended up doing what he did.
0: Let me just a second Regular camera went out, so the good news is I have another camera to use. Okay. <laughs> just came in the other day, too. The battery day? Uh, it, it's, the battery seems like it's working. It's just... Uh, yeah, that's not as good, but oh well. It is what it is. Let me see if I can just adjust it real quick. To That's a little bit better. Okay. I'll take it. It's better than nothing. Um, yeah, it, uh so you're talking to Vince McMahon, you guys can't even order a cup of coffee together. And that seemed to that seemed to be more true as time, time went on between trying to, to to keep this deal with impact or to end the in, deal with impact. Um they had I do believe that before Dixie was involved, that Panda tried to purchase the NWA as well, didn't they? Uh
1: no. Okay. I think I so like Fred got really in with uh Jeff, and so I think that's how those conversations or rumors were getting started. Um, again, man, there was a lot going on. Uh, everybody had something, everyone had a guy, you know. Sure, um, uh, I was no longer with the Anokis and I was doing my thing, and and Trobich was the boss, and luckily, Bob. saw that i wasn't playing around and i was trying to do things legit and you know uh, bill too bill will question a lot of things but i think when he sees something that's progressive he'll go along with it um and uh you know dave Texera, uh uh, dave republic in vancouver um ed schumann you know again it is literally red state blue state um so all the blue states um, we're seen as allies, and uh, we did a lot of stuff together. Uh, and moving forward, that was kind of the plan of how to. So we take the world title, we bring it to the West Coast. We bring the tag titles to the West Coast. I couldn't do that by myself. I had to have the backing of someone, and I had the Ultimates with our executive director.
0: And as things were progressing you're doing arena shows now you know you're you're, yeah. you're you're putting these events in the orleans which that's not a small place and people tend to to marginalize what you were doing at the time but the orleans arena uh, the paul songus arena on the east coast yeah. uh, you're you're working in arenas in florida in texas and arizona but and we, then, did
1: the, we did the phillips arena in atlanta
0: yeah the 60th anniversary yeah and all all these things I, I i see as positive and I know at the time, a lot of people were like uh, cutting these things short, like, hey, you know, big deal. You sold out this or didn't sell out the arena, but you got this sold show in the arena. Who cares? But it's like, wait, hold on now. Who else is running these kind of venues? Who's able to do this sort of thing? The interesting and I, thing is that when I started doing
1: that, that's when TNA started following us. Right. And, and they started doing arenas after I did. And they were doing the same arenas. The exact were- same arenas, and they had the exact same guy booking the the rooms for them. They came and got our guy.
0: Oh, really? So, so as this is all coming about, now it's getting harder and harder to get uh, Christian Cage booked for shows. Um, I, I believe Jeff Jarrett was also champion at a time when you yeah, guys. were Yeah, but trying that to was all him.
1: politics too. That wasn't just. It wasn't difficult because we had the money. Um, you know, one of those shows could cost about. You know, just to be honest, sixty, seventy thousand dollars 70000 we were paying. Oh. So we can pay him whatever we wanted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The problem with TNA and the NWA is that we made a deal in the beginning that when we were going to book the champion, this is with Jerry, that we were paying for the belt, which we owned, like it was ours. And that was where the, a lot of confusion uh, comes to play. So instead of a guy, so I think we put a, the price tag on the, on the world title at 500 bucks. Whoever the champion is, that's what you pay them because it's ours. Right. Um, and so for a while it worked, but then they went to Fox. And so they felt they were here now. And then they go to Spike. Oh, now they're here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're doing us the favor, you know. But when Panda took the company, uh, they didn't want us. And, and and for good reason, we were, it, the whole thing was fucked.
0: There,
1: it, <laughs> it, 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 I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want us either. Well, in, yeah. in fact, I didn't want everybody, I tried buying it. Um, so, so yeah, it just, it, 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 once Jeff, you know, wanted more money, even though we were going by the agreement they wrote, this was not our agreement, this was their agreement, and, and dollars were going higher And then all of a sudden they put the belt on Sting And we we're like We're never going to be able to pay for this guy Right And none of us did Ultimately I think we came to the conclusion That we we're going to pay $1,500 or something like that um, With the More high profile people who had the title
0: Well and, and you did Have a few shows I, I remember the uh, NWA Liberty States NWA Pro East did have those shows with you know uh, Christian Cage defending against Jay Lethal and 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 uh, Jeff Jarrett defending the title against I think he actually defended against Christian Cage on one he did. of the that events. was so, in Massachusetts. Yeah, so you you guys did you know your end of the job I guess I should say you did <coughs> and honor, then some. yeah and, and and you honored your commitments. So then there was the falling out, and I know you said Red State Blue State. It seemed like that. Even to this day, there are still people who still talk about the split. And why did you guys split? and Why, would, why, wouldn't, why didn't it make sense to continue to work together as a, two separate companies promoting that NWA world title?
1: Well, Fred and his side was 100% trying to keep the relationship.
0: And why was the, what was the benefit to that? I mean, I know there's some dollars, but how much money could you really be making? He's my friend. Okay. I mean...
1: I don't know. I'm not going to start arguing (laughs) about that or even opening that, but... Sure. uh, But it's... um, Yeah.
0: It was all imaginary. So, the split happens, which I think ultimately... Well, the reason... Now, the reason why that
1: happened was because week to week on the television show... I started seeing the NWA disappearing from the broadcast. You're not alone.
0: Yeah, I you know, saw that too.
1: The uh, I watch it, and I was sent there for a long time. I was the liaison. It was Ed Schumann, uh, and then it was Fred and Bill worked there. So Bill was always in a pickle, um, and uh, and then I was sent from both the New Japan and the NWA side for a little bit, and uh, like the night that. Uh, 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 Not Raven Could have been uh, Rhino Rhino, maybe But the night one of those guys won the title They were supposed to tell us in advance And they didn't tell anybody Mm. And I remember in the back Right when it's happening, watching the monitor And Jeff looked me dead in the face And he goes, you remember we talked about this, right? I
0: was like, oh shit
1: No Not at all Um, so I saw the writing on the wall So did a few others And then I think there was a title match And I specifically remember uh, Barash ring announcing Saying this is for the World Heavyweight Championship
0: No NWA at all No
1: NWA It was the first time they said that And the first thing I did was call Bob And that was already late Because it was on late here I think it was on at 9 or something So it's already midnight in, in the east So I called Bob Woke him up i said i don't know if you've seen it and i don't know if there's going to be an internet clip but we have a problem and bob went back to sleep and sure enough he agreed with me and we uh we thought that we fixed it and then impact wanted to pay out the remaining balance in the agreement for the term of the agreement they had like a 25 year License I guess what you can say Yeah they wanted to give us a dollar amount to buy it out And I was firmly against it
0: So what would they have gotten if if they bought it Uh, out?
1: I, I don't I wanna These numbers are probably way wrong And whatever members are still around Like Fred and those will probably chastise me And say that I'm You know making this up But Uh I think it came down to maybe it was 20 a year for 25 years or something wow I think uh, again that's uh, my memory is bad too it could be something else that I'm thinking of but uh but I think that was it something in that area and um uh but I I didn't think that that we should do it At all. And uh, I was against it. Completely against it. And So I got some blue states to rally around me. And we did what we did. We sent uh, Rico Mann, who was Ed Schumann's partner, to uh, Orlando. And he collected the belts. That's why uh, Kurt Angle is not an NWA world champion.
0: And, and, you know, it's so hard to to try to justify that to people and explain to them why. and, and
1: It's not hard. You got to understand it. They voted for Trump.
0: <laughs> so moving fast forward. Okay. So the NWA splits, you're doing great business out in Hollywood. We're seeing TV. The, the audience is there. You're not having a problem putting people in the seats. That's for sure. The cabana Pierce feud is at an all time high. I want to skip over that black mark on the nwa i don't even want to talk about it um we eventually get pierce back as champion things are seemingly going well the NWA's again there's this feud seven levels of hate going all throughout the country you've got cabana and pierce the the, the, the program you started the, the the matches you booked that whole area you built and you've got people uh trying to stop that trying to put an end to that there was the lawsuit and i I know there's details we don't need to get into but of course famously you know nwa brethren on your side ended up flipping on the other other side pro wrestling organization loses the lawsuit to international wrestling corporation the lice the licenses or excuse me the the rights to the nwa the title the ip all that is distributed to a different company and for the first time in a long time, instead of being a collective, instead of being multiple multiple promotions, the NWA is essentially three people, which then got whittled down to two people, and then to one person. Um, during that time, you were no longer a part of the NWA, and and I saw the, I saw the anguish on your face when you made that announcement in Hollywood. But it didn't stop your business. It didn't prevent you from running your shows. And yes, it. We, it, it did lose a little bit of cachet Not seeing the 10 pounds of gold But you were already working on establishing stars In your area like Scorpio Sky Joey Ryan uh, Willie Mack of course um, and, and, and your your Promotion just kept on running When you finally lost The, n- the, use, the ability to use The NWNA, NWA name How did that feel Mentally and then how did that Change your business or did it Uh,
1: It didn't change the business at all. Um, Personally, I was really upset because I thought it was bogus to begin with. Sure. Um, And uh, hindsight, I think I'm right. (laughs) Um, And uh, uh, the the way the whole thing happened is like, I'm not a big karma guy. I don't really like (laughs) that. I just don't. But think about everybody who was a part of that Yep. and what they're doing today and what happened to them during that process. And then think about who's on top and who's using it now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, but, but personally it did hurt. Um, I was uh, not just for me, because I knew that there was a handful of guys who really wanted to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Bob Trovich really, really, really wanted this to go somewhere. Um, we thought we were going to do something with Sinclair. We really did. Um, until they wanted to own it. and They wanted to buy it. And the organization wouldn't allow that. If we gave Bob the ultimate control... He had ultimate control. But I mean, if he had, like, veto power and... Because the members could override him because he didn't own it. We did, um, ultimately. Um... I think we could have gone a different way um, altogether, but it, that's not how the thing was set up right um, but yeah, but people from within people who it, it's it's interesting too, because it was outside influences. people there was one member, a few associate members, and then a guy who used to be the president many moons back. Uh, so I mean, it's all out there. so Howard fucked us. Uh, and he got some people together and Bruce was already talking like this this wasn't a new conversation I had had several conversations about how can we run this together and uh, Bruce even called me the golden boy Yeah, we need you because you understand television and that's a big piece to this and where we're going to go And all I did was ask for proof send me your plan send me uh, the money that was in the bank because I kept was hearing we have all this money in the bank and uh, It was one Wrestlemania's when I got the phone call From Fred Howard and Bruce I believe they were at Chris Roncola's house And that was at uh, And I was at uh, uh, Angelo Trinidad's house And we were having one of the annual Wrestlemania parties So everybody right. was there I went outside to take the call And um, I took the call and I just hung the phone up I didn't pay much attention to it But they made the rounds and they talked to everybody Oh. It got to Trovich that they were trying to deceit him, and everybody in Dallas thought it was me that called Bob. I didn't. It came out it was Mike Porter, but they always thought they had Mike. Always. Mike knew how to play the game. Um, because Mike had a past, and they had, they felt they had stuff on right. Mike. Right, Um, uh, but at that point, I don't think Mike gave a damn. So, uh, so they sued us for insurance fraud, which all of those guys used the insurance, even while they were suing us. They were still using the insurance. Yep. So, it's all wanky. Whatever. We get to the end. Uh, They get it. Uh, They hit me with a giant judgment. Uh, Bob too and uh, individually, personally not just the organization Um, and uh, yeah it was uh, I just felt really bad for the others who put maybe not money into it but an awful lot of time I was just happy that uh, Ed Schumann was dead because I think this would have killed him
0: seriously that's probably the only time you've ever said that you wish Ed Schumann was dead.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that he was dead during this period because, yeah. uh, from the stuff that Rico went on to do and that whole mess and, and Zero One USA and all this, all this shit, uh, I don't think I don't think Ed would have been cool with any of it because no. Ed was NWA, true and true for sure.
0: And, and I remember even back in the day seeing him, uh, you know. I never met Ed personally, but there were, uh, you know, photos and, and articles on the old NWA website and there Ed was in that NWA t-shirt and he was over there always trying to hawk the NWA merchandise. I mean, well, he was the head of the merch. That makes a lot more yeah. sense. Than-
1: and, uh, you know, and a lot of people probably don't know this, but he was Midwest belts. So when you uh, bought a, a belt from Reggie Parks or Dave Milliken, Rico Man doing the design,
0: Ed was the business guy behind that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah so then that brings us to now i mean well let's talk a little bit of that that bygone era just for a little bit more um because a lot of those guys that they ended up using as champions i I think you would have been comfortable with booking as well i mean rob conway uh was a host and a wrestler on your programs in vegas and he even it's kind of funny that he said on the first episode of that nwa showcase show from las vegas that he was going to one day be nwa world champion and sure as shit dave (laughs) that guy wins a title now i'm sure at the time you guys probably even had that discussion years ago that maybe he would be one of those guys considered to be nwa world champion but he did it you know in the in the trobich era or excuse me not in the trobich era in the tharp era he took the title to japan and i know you were a rob conway fan i mean At least, did you feel good about seeing the NWA title on a guy like Rob Conway?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, I had the conversation for Rob Conway to be the champion, Uh, not the organization. There weren't many in the organization who, I think, liked that idea. But they also didn't like Blue Demon, and they also didn't like the Skull Crushers, and they also didn't like Los Luchas, and they also didn't like Gold Cabana. (laughs) <laughs> um, so, like, uh, and for the most part, they didn't like Adam either because he wasn't I, the
0: choice. I was about to say that. <laughs> they didn't so like Brian. Adam.
1: Brian was the choice. Right. Um, and uh, so, like, that whole me suggesting champions, I think people just, they, they really got upset that I was controlling the narrative. And uh, when, like, the national title or... Uh, the North American title or the U.S. tag titles or whatever the hell we had Um, since they weren't featured on uh, the television that everyone felt that I made them lesser Uh, which I didn't because when Pepper Parks became the national champion he was on the show when The Sheik was the North American champion he was on the show when Phil Shatter was the champion he was on the show I had them in there They just weren't on
0: Every damn TV Um Yeah Well and it to your credit too I mean you even booked Apollo Who was at that time The North American champion well, that's right And Mike DiBiase that. Who was yeah, the Yeah right. Well DiBiase
1: was me I That was my project That imploded That was That was my fault Um But uh But yeah So You know It It Just
0: Just went everywhere <laughs> So Again that lawsuit That kind of Defined something for the NWA Something that never happened before It created one person one ownership stake And the NWA like I think you said, that's good by the way but keep going Well I'm getting to that because I, I think it was good too In retrospect because The NWA as a collective like you said Couldn't even order a cup of coffee Vince McMahon said couldn't order a cup of coffee if it to save their lives um but it took it took uh you know trobich losing his power tharp gaining his influence and owning that brand in order to sell it to somebody who actually could do something with it and i know that look there were a lot of guys who wanted to even buy the nwa when they knew that tharp was on his way out i mean billy wood ipw uk he wanted to come buy the nwa
1: I've heard Billy Wood, I've even talked to uh, Andy Anderson about it he was—he had a group of people together to buy it um, uh, I think, uh, what's his name in uh, the Midwest, uh, I don't know if he's in Nashville, I guess that's the south uh, Carver, I think they had a group of people who were looking into doing it, I don't know how serious they were but I know they sure. were into it, I think even um, uh, uh, Re- uh, Matt Re- Riviera yeah. had a yeah. group of people that were considering to do it um, all that I know is that he would not sell it to me,
0: <laughs> at all. Right. And uh, so Billy Corgan comes in, and uh, for people who are familiar with Billy Corgan in wrestling, I mean, it wasn't his first rodeo. He he was part of a, a promotion in Chicago uh, just a maybe a five or six years before, and he he, he of course he comes into it with his experience and impact, and of course his friendship with David Lagana and your friendship with David Lagana, and this, this whole thing comes together pretty quick. How excited were you to know that uh, Billy Corgan was involved with the NWA and was able to essentially, essentially bring the NWA back to where it is right now? I mean, obviously you didn't know two years ago, three years ago, what was going to happen, but clearly you knew they had some sort of game plan.
1: Right here? Yeah, just just uh, if you give me a minute, I'll be yeah, done yeah, here. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they need to use this computer, um, but uh, uh, no, we'll keep going. Um,
0: okay.
1: The actually, Billy when he um, uh, so they exit Impact as a team, and um, they uh, uh, one of, I think the first places they now I had heard in the past through through the. Start buying those guys that billy cornell was going to buy it and they had a conversation whether it was at a cac or something i don't know but they had they had spoke uh, i've never asked billy this but maybe they have so i want to say it was either january or february after they exited impact they visited hollywood and me and we were just talking nothing big and I just remember uh, Billy kind of saying, well, you know, maybe we can do something together, being Billy Corrigan's uh, resources and championship wrestling from Hollywood. And I kind of uh, caught right there on the spot that I don't know if we would work well together in that capacity. I can tell that he's awfully creative and he has his own mind. And, you know, I we're already, you know, whatever, seven, eight years in, um I'm not sure how he would necessarily fit outside of money, which isn't fair because that's the situation he just came out of. Right. So I just blurted out, you know, the NWA for sale. And David Lagana kind of looked at me and Billy looked at me and they're like, well, like, what are we buying? And I kind of just threw back at them. It's like, well, you're buying whatever you want to do with it. You can those three letters are unforgiven. You can, whatever you want. And I'm sure you can pick it up for a song. And uh, they started the investigation. I put them together with the right people on that side. Uh, and he and Tharp went back and forth. And then Lagana and Tharp went back and forth. And I basically, were I was, I had the treasure map. I knew where everything was buried. And I furnished them with paperwork and Everything to the WWF agreement going back to the 90s, where they everyone thought the WWF owned the NWA name or something. Thanks, Howard Brody, which isn't true. Um, and uh, well, at the time in the late 90s or whenever that was, that that was important for the NWA, like we wouldn't have, I wouldn't have ever got in originally, and 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 people would probably never have even thought about it if it wasn't on the WWF shows, but the but they so so. Camp Corrigan and Tharp they come to an agreement they buy it and then now they have to shoot some stuff and do something with it and it took a little while uh, and and then that's when David uh, came up with the documentary 10 Pound Series and uh, they wanted me to be involved uh, in some capacity and um Originally, it was just, you know, producing stuff with them and whatnot. I mean, I knew ultimately they were going to get to a, a weekly TV series. That was always the plan. Yeah. And so little by little, the 70th anniversary event, matches appearing on Hollywood, seven, uh, 10 pounds of gold. And then just, you know, the conversations about doing a weekly TV. And then I showed them uh, through a friend in Atlanta. I had already looked at the space, uh, Georgia Public Broadcasting. Uh, I knew it was perfect for what they wanted, and they made the deal, and now we have NWA power.
0: Was that Lou Seals?
1: Yeah.
0: And he's with Tough TV, right?
1: He owns Tough TV.
0: Ah. Were you guys planning on putting a show in Atlanta? Uh, The uh,
1: uh, United Wrestling Network? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For a while. For a long while
0: so fast forward here we are nwa power had a pretty monumental uh rise in the last what eight months or so um really i think it really caught people off guard and i don't know that they did much different than what you were doing in hollywood except for maybe uh some of the names that they were using had a little bit more more cachet mm-hmm. and of course it featured the 10 pounds of gold which you know th- through lagana's series really kind of built up that title once again and of course Being in all-in, I really feel like hit the fast-forward button for the NWA because, again, they were putting that title um, against an opponent who had a huge following, um, and that uh, all-elite pay-per-view, the all-in pay-per-view, the first one, really kind of pushed that dynamic of, um, of course, what the Bucks and Cody were doing, but as well as, hey, there's a company out here that's got a champion that's been documenting this whole thing. And this champion's been wrestling in Hollywood, the champion's been wrestling in the UK. Hey, the champion even wrestled in China. And it really I feel like as a as an NWA fan, that being put with all in really, really kind of put a rocket onto the NWA and I think helped it grow even faster. What what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, um, I I mean, I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, I saw the excitement when, you know, we said the N.W.A. title was coming back to the Hollywood program. Um, then I saw the documentary, the first episode of uh, Ten Pounds of Gold, and it was fantastic. Um, so and I knew people were going to fall in love with Tim Storm. Um, the name and Corrigan's name attached to it. A lot of buzz, uh, a lot of mainstream magazines and news outlets carried uh, the stories um, on the Reevolution of of the brand, um, and I think all the negative that was out there too of former promoters and whatnot. I think that really helped too in the narrative uh, where people were against. Uh, <laughs> and the what did he buy? You know that that was that's always been fun to me is what did he buy? And again, that was like one of the first questions he asked like what is it? Um, right. So it's a fair question. Uh, but uh, it is what you're going to make it. And that's all that I kept preaching. It was like, whatever you want it to be, that's what it's going to be. Um, so uh, was I like super shocked? No. Uh, I I knew that it was going to get there and I knew people were going to respect it and get behind it, especially from the behind the scenes of uh, the names I saw being uh, considered and opponents and locations and, and being a consultant that way helping weaving through and whatnot and uh uh, that was very exciting in the in the very beginning
0: talking about hollywood too or excuse me talking about nwa power excuse me there's a lot of ties to hollywood and I, i don't know if a lot of people know this but even your relationship with with trevor murdoch uh you know he started off where WLW World League and, wrestling, <laughs> and and then he spent time in Hollywood when you when you were doing the original Championship Wrestling yeah. from Hollywood TV tapings, and I think I could be wrong, but I think the plan at the time was that Cade uh, and Murdoch were going to square off against uh, uh, the Skull Crushers at some point for those NWA yeah. tag titles that never materialized. But uh, you know, Mur- uh, Trevor Murdoch is someone that's been on your radar for years, and and he's worked at your arena shows. He's been a part of. Uh-huh. What you've done for such a long time, and then of course Eli Eli Drake has been around uh, Hollywood. I, I really feel like uh, he came into his own when he started teaming with uh, you know Brian Cage in Mach 1 Wrestling, and of course they were the Mach 1 Tag Champions, which later became the Hollywood Heritage Tag Champions. And then the continuity that they had when you put them with Percy Pringle III, their their stock just went up and up. And the talent got better and better, and then of course they split, but both have this huge trajectory of their careers brian cage is doing his thing uh eli drake has been tna world champion he's been uh impact world champion and and, and now he's a part of the nwa as the tag team champion with james storm um and, and even little things like uh, bringing in guys like d-man parker who's been a part of what you've been doing recently there's a lot of hollywood influence in what you guys are doing and that's in front of the camera But but then behind the camera uh, you producing the 70th anniversary show um, Billy working um, directing the show I mean these are these are your guys Dave and, and there's so much of David Marquez in this NWA power how do you feel knowing that you've had this kind of impact on this brand that literally you've been a part of for about 30 years now it's, it's cool
1: um, there's no other way to put it it's, it's awfully cool uh, uh, some people may d- d- debate you on my influence on the show um which is fair but uh yeah billy trask a name that a lot of people might only know at the end of the show if they watch the credits <laughs> uh billy uh is also the director of championship wrestling from hollywood and before that he was my technical director as i directed the show and before that he played the music back and created the graphics on the big screens and before that he was doing moonsaults at, at the at the wrestle center wow uh and uh, you know, so we taught him what to do, and he's an excellent director. Um, uh, you say Dan Parker. The 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 neat thing about a guy like Dan Parker is uh, he's a great utility guy. Not only is he a talent in the ring, but he understands the fundamentals of production. The last go around, I don't think the last ones we did the Superpower thing that's coming out tomorrow, but the the recording before that. Uh, before Christmas, I think, um, or the Christmas episodes, uh, D Man Dan Parker was the floor director. Okay. He was the stage manager. Uh, and Billy Corrigan had nothing but great things to say about him and that we create top guys. And that even goes for like a from the WWE side of it, like Jim Carlo Ditmo, who started with us, who's a big producer there now of content, and Adam Pierce, who's a big producer there now. and And it, it goes on and on and on. Uh, I and then the broadcast announcers and people who have come out of us who are WWE uh, talents now and and elsewhere. So it it it, it I feel really good about uh, my association with the NWA and pro wrestling altogether. At times, I tend to forget that I've done something because I've been doing it so long. Uh, and when I hear stuff like this and, and have these memories. It's like, yeah, I guess I guess I did do something good, um, and lasting, um, which I guess is what life's about. I guess leaving a mark, and like uh, and and uh, and and I've been uh, lucky enough to be able to do that in pro wrestling. So, uh, and then Lagana himself, right after his WWE job, he came and worked right for us at championship wrestling from Hollywood. Right. He was he was in creative and producing. So, uh, it, it's it's all in the family and just like families, we fight and we bicker and we kiss and make up and we have birthdays and holidays and, and everything. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it's a great time. Uh, I didn't think I was going to be in the position that I am in on power. That sure. was a shock. I thought I was going to be strictly behind the scenes. Um, and I thought I was directing the show at first personally. I thought I would be directing. And when they asked me to do on camera stuff, uh, I, I think I originally said no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a I have a memory problem too, so it's it's difficult for me to do that job. Right. Um, I can't remember short-term things, and it's very difficult for me to, especially. It's hard enough for me to remember storylines on my show, <laughs> and now I'm expected to remember storylines for eight or nine weeks of TV that I didn't write or have anything to do with. Right and and stuff just being thrown at you and literally people in your ear say this you know and <laughs> and 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 I I already have notes prepared and then those notes are no longer any good because something has changed and you know it, it's it, it, at first I said no but it's a, it's a great role and I think and I'm also a consultant still and producing still and stuff like that but uh, when people recognize uh, that role and they say I'm doing a, a, a good a job as solely or Gene Okerlund or something. That's, that, that's pretty nice to,
0: to see. So unfortunately we're running out of time and Dave, I literally could talk to you for hours and hours and I don't think either one yeah. of us would get too bored. I hope we can do this again real soon. Yeah. Uh, maybe when the show kicks back on, we could start talking about uh, Hollywood and, and NWA power moving forward. Yeah. But uh, I do really appreciate your time. If, people want to follow Dave Marquez, the personality and Dave Marquez, the person, how can they find you? What can they do?
1: Well, uh, social media at CWFH Marquez, um, I'm David Marquez on, on Facebook, but I usually don't take new people. Um, I, there's what Jason said. There's the television guy, David Marquez, and then there's the real person, and if you like the television guy, you might not like the real person. <laughs> so, uh, you might want to just stick to Instagram and, uh, Twitter and stuff. Cause I try to be in character mostly there. Um, and then, uh, Hollywoodwrestling.com, uh, unitedwrestlingtv.com, I think, uh, Championship Wrestling from Arizona. And then we have neat things like pins.
0: Oh yeah.
1: You know, I was one of the guys who started the pin craze too, um, and now everybody's doing
0: them but i think I mine do. are the best I, um, <laughs> let's see oh well, that's not yours i have a couple of yours yeah you do right here
1: yeah
0: and uh let's <laughs> see i've got this one too
1: not many people have that
0: one yeah that i handed it out to a few people i won't hand out any more. and i think yeah. i've got uh, this one's one of my favorite ones yep and uh, I, it, you guys really should check out those pins. And this is the
1: United TV title.
0: And uh, I will, uh, I'll make sure to put a link to that in the in the uh, video, but and that's all yeah, my best list. thing is.
1: Uh, you're, uh, I don't think the, the eBay link is working. Um, the best place to put that is uh, info at hollywoodwrestling dot com. Uh, just send me a PayPal. They're fifteen bucks, and okay. um, uh, when you send that, don't forget to add your address. And that's included postage. Send it friends and family. If you if you don't and they take the fees out, I'm not sending it.
0: <laughs> so, again, Dave, I thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate this. And, uh, of course, I wish you nothing but the best and all the success in the future for not just the NWA, but also Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and the United Wrestling Network. And, of course, the next time we talk, I want to talk about the uh, next United Wrestling Network World Heavyweight Champion. I would, too. <laughs>
1: we still, well, we got to figure that out.
0: <laughs> well, again, uh, thanks, thanks for being here, and, and everyone, thank you for tuning in. Um, of course, you can follow me at the Alliance blog, and that's where you're going to get um, all your social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, TikTok. Dave, you need a TikTok. No. And uh, <laughs> and remember, visit alliance-wrestling.com. Your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance and the United Wrestling Network. This is Jay Cal, and I'll see you guys at the matches. Thanks, Dave. You got it. Anybody say anything on uh, the thing or uh, There was a little bit, a little bit of chatter, but nothing